Good morning, Jamie. Good morning, sir. How, how do I sound? How, how, how are the levels? How's the, the morning? Le- the levels sound good. The levels yeah. sound good. I, I yeah. think we're right there. I think we're both, it's it's early, it's caffeinated time. We're, we're still riding a high of our journey. Jamie's still on vacation inside totally. a closet somewhere. That's <laughs> <laughs> very moody. Like, I like that. Especially for our topic today. So before we pull up a sketch, a very new sketch, which will be a fun one. I want to, let me go first. Cause I have, I have props demonstration. So I'm enjoying, see, this is the company. Uh, well, the grocer, Oliver T's there. So this is the maple bourbon. Maple bourbon that I, I have in this cup. So it's good. Let's see. I'll give you a give you a little preview of if it's actually it's pretty mild. I was just thinking that this this morning on my first cup. It's pretty mild. You get the maple and 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 the, uh, you kind of get the bourbon, like if it was a barrel aged sort of roasted flavor, I suppose. Now that there's so many barrel aged beer, beers and stuff like that. Right. So this coffee has, it's nice. But you said it also had like a really good scent to it that you kind of really. And it has a nice after taste. Like it just, it stays sweet. You know, oh, well, that's, that's, yeah. Well, that's nice. Cause I mean, sometimes some of the, I find that sometimes the flavored blends have a, a bitterness sometimes in the aftertaste, like the, the whole yeah. like first, yeah. first part, the smell, the taste, all that's good. But then you're like, mm. Mm. afterwards. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. I, would, I like that about this, which, so how about you? How, how, what you, I have switched over. So um, not doing the, the maple pecan. I, I brought some of the beans from the, one of our other favorite shows, Twin Peaks. Oh, are those the, uh, the tweeds? Yeah. Yeah. The, the, yeah. So from the double R. Double um, R. Yeah. Nice. Very nice. Yeah. I was also thinking about Twin Peaks. Now I got to catch up on that. Maybe this afternoon, since we are almost to the Christmas holiday. Maybe I'll treat myself. With a... And you know, you really should. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks. I'll take that as a, as a, you deserve it. And, okay. and the other thing is I did inquire and find out that there's helicopters, which we'll probably talk about in a little bit. Yeah. But so I brought the sound effects today, but the note to self that I did talk to Jason about our fire walk with me, you know, oh, yeah. other, other movie that we thought we would maybe try and live watch simultaneously did, through did the he, interwebs. Yeah, and we're going to jump right in, if you don't mind. No, absolutely. So as we mentioned in the last episode, I guess as the day of the recording, it was the the release date for the Matrix Resurrections. And now, after some movie magic, you and I are now talking about 
uh, a little bit of Matrix after we've seen it. But so this is the sketch to commemorate the day that you've made, which is which I post. I think I made a comment on either Facebook or Twitter and either said something like absolutely or excellent or both or something like that. I just thought this is a really cool rendering and a cool sketch of Trinity from the matrix. And you'll have to remind me which, which episode it must've been the first one. This is the first. Yeah. And yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's the phone booth. Yeah. So. The phone booth scene. The, there's such great darkness, like dark hatching that, but it doesn't muddy out. I think a lot of you, you can get a little crazy with not you, one could get crazy with oh, the pen. Oh, 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 we're going there already. I think we're, we're how many minutes in are we? I like, did, I like, like three and a half. Yeah. So we're, we got it. No, no holds barred. No, not you, but one, maybe myself can get a little heavy handed with the black ink and you start to lose the depth, right? It becomes just a flat, just, and this thing has a lot of really nice because you still have got the crosshatch, a really heavy crosshatch behind her. And then a little bit of uh, poche, I would say, in, in between her hand. Oh, I found a new tool on, uh, on Zoom here that is, is, is kind of fun. Watch. So, so here's the heavy poche behind the hand. Did you see that? Did you oh, see yeah. the highlight? Yeah, no, yeah, I totally see. did. Yeah. Yeah. See, hey. And then over here, I thought this might be useful. The stark magenta, quite a contrast, but the cross hatching over there and then into her, her outfit, right? You've got a lot of these dark, but you, you, you keep some of the streaks of white in there that maintain the form and the shape. And then obviously a fantastic sort of headshot here. Or the the main event, right? The Trinity, right? Which, which now that we've seen resurrections, I've got I've got some interesting thoughts. So if you've made it to, to this think. point in the episode and you haven't seen the movie yet and you don't want uh, any spoilers, this is this is your warning. And, but, and and I'm glad I'm I'm glad you love the sketch because it was just sort of I was I was thinking about like what we're what would Kurt like the most? Is that what? <laughs> <laughs> yes, it was all for you. I was trying to channel like across the miles, but no, I, w- I was thinking about like we we talked a little bit about sort of our. You, you said the word canon that the the Matrix is sort of like canon, and I thought, yeah, is that first movie is easily in my top five movies, and and you start thinking about images. For you and I, I guess we sort of see see things in pictures and sort of can recall things and we talk a lot about that. But it was like this scene and and some other scenes that were just so indelible and right here. It's the phone booth. It's the, I mean, how many times do you go in a phone booth anymore, right? But her kind of hand on the glass and phone in hand and then surprise, you're just sort of like all these moments of surprise and, and suspense that were in that first movie were just sort of incredible as they sort of made you really rethink kind of what you were watching for the first time. And so, yeah, I was just, I decided that that was the, mm-hmm. the image I was going to look for and, and then sketch from a sketch from a photo and knowing we were going to do this today. So, yeah, this was. Yeah. You know, there's an interesting 
similarity in in this and what we talked about on the last episode and this sort of vignette effect i'm going to use the term vignette but so it just bleeds to to page or to paper right it, there's no defined it doesn't run off the edge and uh, it doesn't um have a frame so to speak which actually is really neat you know it's, it's very nice graphic almost comic book panel well it, you know, it, it does have sort of a panel yeah kind of that kind of kind of you know unique panel quality but it for me it's it evokes the idea tell me if this resonates is the idea of almost like a memory i mean mm -hmm. it's sort of like a, like a flash in your memory and that was sort of the that was the intent was i i knew that i wasn't going to try and fill the page or bracket it i'd rarely do that anymore with with images but this was sort of struck by like trying to get the foreshortening right of the hand, but which I think, I think with that, that part, I was very happy about. And then as that sort of, that's where the sketch actually started was I drew the hand first just to kind of get sort of knowing that if I got that where I wanted it on the page, then everything else about the frame was just going to start to set itself up. And then mm -hmm. there would be, you know, likely a plenty of white space to kind of get the effect that you're talking about. Yeah. Well, especially with foreshortened one point perspectives, that, that scale or the depth can be almost, it almost seems wrong at first. If you, cause the, if you actually looked at somebody with their hand, you don't see very much arm. Right. It's, it's the, it's the arm. Yeah the hand to the body it's like but the scale too the hand's got to be i mean look at like right now you know the camera yeah. well, and so yeah yeah that I, I could see that makes sense to draw that first and get yeah, that it, and it and it's always sort of that that thing of like okay well i'm gonna sort of dive right in just like you're about to do with this this movie and tackle the tough the tough part first sort of knowing that that is the tricky part as opposed to avoiding it, doing all yeah. the other stuff around it, building up the anticipation to deal with the difficult part. I, I sort of dove right in and wanted to handle that right off the bat. Yeah, I, I like that. I think, especially with teaching in studio this past semester with a, a group of second years, it, it, it's I, I, I encouraged a lot, a lot of them to, to, not, to not avoid the hard part, right? Do, do the hard part first think through that, right? And everything else kind of falls into place. So it, it's sort of a teachable moment. I think you're right. Don't, don't avoid the tricky, the tricky aspects. And anyway, so I won't, I won't spoil the heck out of the whole movie, but there are certain aspects of the new movie that I wanted to just throw out there in, in general, right? This is the, uh, and, and so we do this from time to time. We kind of talk about pop culture or movies and uh, uh, things that have this sort of inter interconnectedness with the sort of art and architecture and design and, 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 and so on. So th this was just another chance for us to talk about something that we are big fans of the, the matrix trilogy. And now with the, the fourth movie in, in the sequence, which so my first point will be is that I did kind of appreciate the, the sort of self-referential and the, the sort of making fun of themselves a little bit in, in some of the, the dialogue. They kind of teased uh, 
they teased about not only the the trilogy but even kind of some of the jokes kind of extended toward the the directors the makers of the well, movie and, and, behind yeah, behind the camera of, and sort of the notion of and you know, not not to completely talk over you but it's like in the 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 word that that i'm that i'm struck by is reboot yeah is in you know <laughs> In the world in which we live right now, where everybody is rebooting all of these different franchises mm-hmm. and and characters and you know old scripts and old ideas, they they went there with it yeah. in this and and I loved that about the the movie as well was it because I think they did it in in like you say sort of a self referential kind of joking with it a little bit, but at the same time there was also sort of a level of are they really joking about it or is it, is is there a a nice sort of seriousness, almost, almost the way like a satirist would sort of approach sort of the subject. I I thought that was, I, I, I particularly enjoyed that as well. Yeah. It wasn't too tongue in cheek or too blunt. I mean, it was very sophisticated the way they, they addressed it and, and the, the concept of the reboot, right. We had the trilogy and the time difference some would you could call it a reboot or whatever but because they played it off of the the content of the the character which is the a video game developer who so so Thomas Anderson is a video game developer and made a video trilogy a game trilogy called The Matrix and, which is i mean it's kind of like i i, I guess it's I, it's taken me time to kind of process some of what I saw because it was there's so much like less than less than 12 hours ago anticipation and build up to to what what would this become and without getting so overwhelmed by it but the yeah I thought the premise was 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 very neat and and I think a, a good presentation of kind of bring bring back some of us who were there for the beginning. And then I think possibly could it attract a new audience to it. There were no payphones, And they made a comment about that too. Another, there's plenty of these sort of, I, I, I don't know, those jokes, like those inside jokes, I guess, that they had, they had done. No, no payphones now. We don't need that. <laughs> right, right. And well, I think there should, we have, we should dedicate at least a a five minutes, I don't know now or later, but about some of the Easter egg items and see how many we can recall. I don't know if you want to do that now or. uh, Well, we we can, we can start that now. All I was going to say just is that I, 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 I think where you were headed in sort of setting up the premise, Anderson is now sort of set up or introduced to us as a a video game developer who has made this game and it's based on, and, and the trilogy is the game. And so there's this immediate recognition that there's sort of two worlds again, similar to when we were introduced to the matrix to begin with, where it was, here's a hacker who's sort of living two lives. The video game developer here is, is sort of living two lives through his creation. And you can sort of see that level of <clears throat> that he's, frustrated by it and he's there's clearly something that's sort of eating at him in a similar way that we we met anderson slash neo in the the first film and that sort of restlessness 
of identity and and there's a lot of identity overtones throughout the matrix and through the original matrix too which i think is you know, is is just part of its dna both from the people who created it but i think also sort of the story that it was trying to tell and the world that it was trying to create so yeah i thought it was a really clever plot device to sort of use that kind of job today as 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 a way to kind of reintroduce the same character and it all feel familiar but yet different and maybe fresh for a new audience, like you say. Um, and, 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 and a new city. And a new city. They're in San Fran, which right. tech, tech uh, you know, Silicon Valley kind of makes sense, right? They're a little less than the gritty Chicago sort of street scenes and stuff like that. But yeah, thanks for keeping me back on track because I, I, I almost went right past like how to, I didn't really know how to set it up. I figured you'd probably help me out there. But yeah, that was, I thought that was a useful and very, well, still, it, it, I think one cool thing overall, right, is if you look at the start to finish of each of the movies individually, is they do follow a certain, I I don't want to call it a a rule book or, or something like that, but there's a sort of format that, that in, I mean, there's the general story telling aspects, you know, three act storytelling, but then there's certain key parts that they, they reveal to you in, in the movie. And they still, so the, the, the format of the fourth movie, is, or I'll, I'll say the word format, but it had a lot of the same feeling, right? It, it, it's the same directors, a lot of the same, well, same, some of the same characters, but a lot of, um, so they, they didn't, it's 20 years, right? They could have changed the entire way to make the movie or present the movie. And they didn't. And I think that helps tie, you know, tie it all together again. Like again, with the trilogy, it it helps keep it from being too disjointed or disconnected from, from the last time they filmed or, you know, the, the end of the third movie. So but then, so like, maybe this will help as an example, right? There, there is a, a consistency in symbology or symbolism and not symbology, but maybe it's more symbolism, right? Red pill, blue pill, items that are red, items that are blue in the movie, either clothing items or outfits, hair color, glasses, Right. And, and so those, those sort of all little details. Yeah. Yeah. The details that, that hint at, I enjoy when directors or uh, filmmakers put those things in there to, to, to challenge the viewer to, to be present and be, try and be aware of more than just the dialogue or the face, the face to face interactions or the gun scenes or whatever, but the fact that they still brought in these elements of color. And when a glitch in the matrix occurs, there's still a black cat present. And in this case, again, with the tongue in cheek sort of joke, the cat is actually named deja vu. (laughs) Right. So. And that uh, Mr. And that Mr. Anderson doesn't like the cat. So, (laughs) yeah, I know uh, you don't like my cat. So yeah, which I think putting I, I was I was gonna say Doogie Hauser, but Neil Patrick Harris Neil, pa- Neil Patrick Harris as the analyst 
character with the the cat owner of Deja Vu and wearing blue glasses, which prescribed who he prescribed Thomas Anderson a prescription of blue pills, which is real. I mean, kind of. It, it maybe I don't know if some how others would react to that, but to me, it because the, another general theme is 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 directed at all of the anybody out there viewing the movie and the message about being aware of your surroundings and what you get sort of trapped into, i.e., like technology, social media, other career paths or dead end careers or things that cause people to feel trapped right so even thinking about how the the doctor is prescribing blue pills to keep anderson trapped in this version of a reality that he is supposed to feel comfortable in well and 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 even going further with that too is that it's sort of it's it's a an interesting juxtaposition because before we had the architect right Mm -hmm. And now we have the therapist who's, who's trying to delve in and sort of lean into listening to kind of giving him a little bit of agency to talk about why he's worried and, and sort of even walking him through his own process, which I thought was sort of unique. It was, you could, it was sort of setting up this idea that they'd been doing this for a while, that they had had these conversations for a while and that, and what I think was really effective is you have the you know protagonist and antagonist sort of meeting in in therapy, <laughs> um, you know, very but, early too, very early. But at the same time, there's sort of a power dynamic kind of going on, and and at the time, you're you're not even sort of realizing is this really what it is? Is is this person the person we think that they are? And is the is the power differential sort of flipped? When does it flip? And but you, but but as you were talking about though too is yeah there's definitely it's it's this idea of questioning your own motivations your own reality in your you know sort of like like you say sort of the at one angle sort of the dead end career and sort of your career path and your the life that you're leading and the settling the kind of the idea of settling for the life that you the cards that you've been dealt or but also the the concept of just identity itself. The directors talk about that or the directors of the original trilogy siblings, one of the siblings directed and sort of created the, this fourth one. But it's, I, I think that whole idea of identity is really explored in, in a way that's uh, accessible to a variety of different audiences and, and, not just in the imagery, but I think in sort of the, the, there's tropes and cliches and caricatures of Mm -hmm. people. There's, they're in a very short amount of time, they're trying to round out and flesh out the, the dimensions of the characters, even the new ones. I think they, they introduce a couple new ones, which I think were really clever um, and useful. And with a little bit of some hearkening back to characters that have now aged quite a bit. But yeah, I think I think the ideas of who we are and how we see ourselves and how we want others to see ourselves is really, really important as a theme. Kind of that duality of how we see ourselves in real life, the IRL. <laughs> and and in the and I think that that's I think that's an everlasting struggle for everybody, really, whether you're struggling with your identity or not. But I 
but I think it, I think this was a seminal piece in bringing that up in a way that no one had really done it, not in, definitely not in a movie like this and, and definitely not where it was sort of carried all the way through in a very, very consistent way. And like I said, not sort of as a trope or sort of some throwaway concept. It was just sort of, I think that's the word that I, I would say is, and, 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 and straightforward, really. It was, but I, 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 and I, and I think that that, I think the thing that sort of hit me with it was this sort of duality of Neo and Trinity that is present in all the first three films, but handled in a different way. And I think in this one, maybe with reflection, Wachowski has sort of dialed it in a little bit differently and really kind of, it, it felt like somebody felt like somebody who was very mature in, in handling their own subject matter, meaning the matrix. Like we've, we've created this world. We've created these characters. We've created this dynamic. Now I want to take it one more step. What did yeah. you think about that? Well, <clears throat> well, before I, before I answer that, I think, Again, going back to the identity thing is just to, to spoil, do another spoiler of those Easter eggs is is catching the reflections of certain. It wasn't just specific characters; it was many different characters. Yeah, there, and it wasn't direct reflect like them standing in front of a mirror, and you get five seconds of whatever there that happened. There was a couple of those like clear, right. clear like here's a re, your reflection in the mirror. And then there were other sort of incidental reflections of Agents Smith and Neo and Trinity. And, and so where the reflection was not what we anticipated to see, right? So you see a different character or a different face. And I thought that was a really clever way of, I guess, kind of revealing the, the boundaries of the matrix, right? The the sort of the dimensional shifts as well as those, those questions on identity. Well, yeah. And, and, and using, I mean, that's the thing. I mean, for us, I think as artists, architects, and then enjoyers of popular culture is, you know, there's something about the spaces in which we live and, and the, the definitions of that environment, like you say, is that the, the mirrors and the mirrored surfaces, the architecture of the spaces and even sort of there's some other subtle like Easter egg nods, which I'm, I'm now I'm getting excited that it is the, you know, there's the space, the, the, the world, that the world building, we've talked about world building before. And in this case, just even just the concept of looking at yourself in the mirror, there's the, the, liter, the literary phrase, looking at yourself in the mirror kind of thing, or, but then there's the literal when you're seeing it viscerally on the screen like that or in a reflected surface and you're getting these hints mm -hmm. that are really subtle Easter eggs of that time is really a, a different concept than you're, than you're led to believe in the movie, which is exciting and, and adds to the layers of meaning, but also just that idea of, of, of identity and kind of who we are and where we are, where we are in our lives too, probably, because there's some of that decisions that you've made and sort of led you down paths. And they're sort of, now, as I say that, I have one question for you. Did you appreciate that all of the deep conversations occur in one particular space other than the therapist office? 
Yeah, I mean, where 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 was that? The what were they? Well, are you? Oh, well, this there was many deep conversations, but the yes, you're right. <laughs> yes, right. Which which again? Sorry, uh, the the dead air. I'm like you caught me off guard, but the what was it called? Sim. Well, the the name of the cafe was Simul 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 Cafe, or it was Simul. What was the name? It had a funny name that was sort of like simulation related, right? Or this the sort of the AI or the the Matrix version. Yeah, and it had the shop. sort of like the the greenish. the the greenish lines that were just all sort of dashes of code in their logo. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. But it was it was a coffee shop. I mean, come on. It was like <laughs> I mean, everything's going to be about the coffee shop. So that's right. Yes, good call. Good, you good know, reminder. and. and the, and then, like, I think there was three coffee shop orders. I think in the in the like dealing with the barrack barista, and I mean, you know, <laughs> this movie was about coffee, and I mean, oh, it was it was good. Yeah, a damn fine cup of coffee. Exactly. <laughs> it all comes back. It all circles back to that. Oh yeah, but the name. So the name of the cafe, which I can't remember, and then, but then the name of Neo's company, Deus Machina or machine god or the the god machine right so again like all the various and the, some of the stuff is not directly stated they're just there right and you just have to right like, you got to pick it up as it's it's getting put down but i think that's always been a very in, it, it, this will come back to that question about trinity and neo but there's always been this the subject matter of like are we being ruled by machines or are we still an autonomous you know, thinking being as a human, right? The humanity versus AI or machine. And then, and then using names like Deus Machina, which I had to make sure that Deus, the way it was spelled, but so God in machines and Neo is an acronym, or if you re reshuffle the letters, it's the one, right? He is the one. They also call him the one, but his name is Neo. And Trinity is draws from sort of religious texts, right? As, as sort of the, the Trinity of of the Christian God, right? The Father, Son, and, and the Holy Spirit. At least that's how I pull. Because then also, <clears throat> if you look back in the trilogy, right? Neo, Neo is the one that they consider right, the one that's supposed to help save them all which is sort of referential to Jesus, right? As sort of the Christianity aspect again. But then coming back to this movie, they really emphasize that it, he alone can't do it. His power is really only really fully realized when he's with Trinity or they're physically connected, capable of you know, being, being together and, and, working together is when oh, and, their power and, is the strongest and he, and there's a scene where there's you know, somebody one of the newer characters is sort of asking neo and neo sort of asking her or them you look upset are you worried and and they and they say back that they're they trinity had special meaning for them 
as sort of a, a touchstone kind of individual and, and Neo kind of you know, acknowledges, yeah, yeah, I, I get that. And then, and that, and goes to, goes on to say what you were just talking about, that even though he was the one and everyone kept telling him that he didn't, he didn't believe it himself until she did until Trinity believed in him and that sort of unlocked it. And then, yeah. And then their, their presence together and sort of always the, and, and what was interesting was even sort of a, a different conversation, different setting, the therapist as they're discussing this framework of the new matrix was this acknowledgement that it's not just Neo, even though everybody, everybody thought that it was only just him, but it wasn't just him. It was him and her and that the two of them and sort of this mystery of connection between the two of them that no one else wanted to try and define and that the two of them seem to always acknowledge with a glance as opposed to defining it themselves was it was really really sort of a powerful expression of love and 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 not being able to describe it Mm -hmm. and not trying to describe it which i thought I think someone might critique that and say, oh, I would have loved for the, the, the writing to be a little bit more you know, poetic or, or, or profound in that moment. But I think that as a film, I don't think it needed to be profound in that moment. I think that the setup and the premise and then the two actors and the, the clear chemistry between, between the two actors kind of playing off of one another in that moment and in other moments as they're acknowledging to one another is was pretty brilliant i mean i I think that that's and that's i think that as a fan a lot of people want to see and sort of see explored and this the film doesn't disappoint in that yeah yeah and uh, it's funny how to how i got caught up in through the four films you also kind of think they they make you or early on, right, they just made you want to think, it's Neo, it's Neo, it's Neo. And through it all, I think it's really been Trinity the whole time. I mean, it's really, so it just gives me the goosebumps. (laughs) Once you realize how they, how they finish the fourth movie and with, with the finish, I, I, I was, texting you and and the and i was uh, totally engrossed in the movie so i like i didn't even like yeah. i didn't even see the text so the, one of my favorite things well and maybe it's because they're one of my favorite bands rage against the machine but they've always had a rage against the machine song at the very end credits the end yes. ending credits scenes and they did it again in the fourth one and this time they used uh the cover from this band called brass against which is a, a female singer and a backing band that is a, a brass instrument band, right? They have a drummer and a guitarist, but I mean, they've got this bolt. If you, they have a lot of YouTube videos, if you go and check it out, where they cover a lot of different bands, a lot of uh, Rage Against Machine songs. And they cover Tool and they cover some other heavy, heavy, heavy metal or rock songs, but with brass instruments, which is really cool. And so they did, they did Wake Up by Rage Against the Machine, which is always, I think, completely fitting song for The Matrix, right? Wake up, get yourself out of this snap out of the, the sort of perception that you're 
you think you're in reality and so on. So I think, you know, it was, it was, it was a good one. I, I, I kind of want to watch it again though. Yeah. I, 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 like think, I, I think, I feel like yeah, I missed this... like half. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, and I was going to say, and you didn't disappoint me. I, 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 I was going to try and do my own sleuthing on, on the last track because I, I too love Rage Against the Machine and but I knew I just had this feeling that you would you would figure it out. You would figure out who the artist was because I know that you have an affinity for them as well. And that was a nice a nice surprise and and a nice sort of twist on it where it was it's the mashup, it's the it's the cover track as opposed to the original artist. And yeah, I, I think it was it was it was perfect for the film. Yeah, you, I mean, <clears throat> if you're if you check out Brass Against, I mean, they're I don't know how big of a presence they have because they do primarily cover songs i think they do original songs too but they they kind of represent this new media genre of using youtube as an outlet to get their their music talent out there and i'm just trying to think 99 so you're saying it's like myspace is like now youtube for musicians is that what or or MySpace was used to many. Well, I I mean, there's so many, like even Neo himself said something about 20 years, right? It's been 20 years. (laughs) Right. No, exactly. Um, I mean, well, and that was the thing. I I mean, I don't know if you ever got to see Rage live, but it, I have once, once as well. And yeah, I mean, even when I saw them, it was, they were, one of the first, they were first or second band at Lollapalooza one year. And, and at that time, like their album had dropped and people were kind of like, who's this band? But they're, I mean, they have such staying power and such presence and lyrically so current and poignant. And so, yeah, it, it makes sense for someone to kind of revisit it in this kind of a way. And I always, I, I love a, a good sort of a good creative cover. And yeah, I think bands that are doing that and, and using sort of different genres to, to, to play that game is, is kind of fun. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah that, that was, that was what I was trying to say is that I was trying to think rage would, would have been relatively lesser known when the first matrix came out and now, so it's kind of like giving another artist a platform. To, yeah, absolutely. To, absolutely. To get out there. So it is all in all, right. Just so many, so many good things. And, and anyway, so I, well, we might have to do a rewatch and then revisit some more Easter eggs in the future. But I think for the, now, the, the, the rabbit oh. tattoo, <laughs> Well, yeah, I mean, yeah, that, that the whole Alice in Wonderland, constant, yeah. the constant references and stuff. Anyway, oh, it's so good. Well, thanks for for recapping. I think I think we're on the same page, and we've got to rewatch in order. Yeah, and 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 a definite two thumbs up, and two thumbs up and a mug. Thanks. <laughs>